This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Well, good morning. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas, whether you were celebrating with family, friends, or even just yourself, for all the introverts in here. And I hope that uh, that was a sweet time. I would encourage you, um, I know sometimes following Christmas we can be tempted to have some of those uh, post-Christmas blues. I want to remind us all this morning that Christmas is about the beginning of Jesus' work. It goes on. And 2019 is going to be an amazing opportunity for us to step further and deeper into Christ's work that just simply started 2,000 years ago on Christmas. Amen? And uh, that all being said, let me pray for this morning's sermon as we dive in. Okay? Would you bow your heads with me? Christ, we thank you so much that you are our Savior. That the songs that we sing about you are true that you have redeemed. Lord, we thank you that you have done what we could not. And Lord, you have met us not in the place of our strength, but in the place of our weakness, that when we could do nothing good, you were our perfect good. You were our perfect lamb, and you have offered yourself to us. And so this morning, God, we celebrate that, and we I want to ask, Lord, that as we look through your scriptures together, that you would bless this time. Would you open up our hearts uh, to your things? That uh, anything I'm adding that would be a distraction for somebody, Father, would you take that away? Would you speak to our hearts this morning through your word? And pray that in your name. Amen. Talk is cheap. You know it. And I know it, right? I want us to catch this as we jump into this morning's message. Talk is cheap. And any time in life where uh, you and I need to get something done, we are reminded just how cheap talk really is. And every one of us have experienced this time and again. Uh, just think back to the last time you had to attend a conference for work. What happens at every single conference that you and I attend? Lots and lots and lots of talk, right? Followed by how much action? Not much, right? Why? Talk is cheap. Action is expensive. About uh, New Year's resolutions. That's always like an easy target this time of year, right? New Year's resolutions where we have, you know, a lot of resolutions and not a lot of actions, Right? We, we start the year with some really high hopes, and all of you gym goers know what a pain all those high hopes are, right? Because you walk into the gym during those first two weeks of January, and suddenly all those ellipticals and treadmills that were empty all year long are filled with those same people you only see twice a year, right? During the first two weeks of the new year. And it's, it's standing room only, but it's only for two weeks because then they, you know, they leave and it's back to the way that things should be. 
You know it's true. <laughs> the other half of us are feeling guilty about not being in the gym. <laughs> right? It's hard. Action's hard. Talk is cheap. I think, though, the most common daily experience that you and I have with this kind of thing is when it comes to eating, especially something like snack food, something like peanut butter M&Ms that practically melt in your mouth. I, I got this bag for Christmas. It was full when I got it, so you know, right? When it comes to snack food, don't we all kind of have that mindset where we say, oh, just one more. All right, all right, that's my last one. Okay, after this, I'm putting the bag away. Some of us are just finally grateful when the bag is empty so we can stop feeling guilty about lying to ourselves. <laughs> Amen? It's a universal experience. Universal experience. No matter who you are, where you come from, you know talk is cheap, action is hard. But action is what accounts for the majority of the direction in our lives. 95% of what, where we're actually headed is because of what we do. And that's true whether you are a follower of Christ or not. Whether you are a, uh, a Christian or an atheist. Right? That's true of you. That's just the way life works. Now, one pastor I heard, he phrased it this way. I'll never forget. He said, direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. I thought that line was priceless. I heard it uh, when I was in college. When I was in college, during those years when talk really is cheap, not the talk that the the professor's giving, that's expensive, right? But the, the talk, it's probably the only time that parents are thankful that, uh, you know, their college student, their young adult, doesn't actually follow through on all the things that they're saying because those sound like really expensive ideas, right? You know, it's, it's the only time when we're thankful that talk is cheap. But, but when this idea comes full circle, back to our Christian faith, back to what we believe, I'm not sure that we realize just how true and important this little insight is. The talk and listening is really cheap in comparison to action, in comparison to what we do with our faith. Jesus spoke on this exact issue in Matthew chapter 7. I invite you to turn there. Um, he spoke on this exact issue. He just finished giving the famous uh, Sermon on the Mount, Right? Well, probably a, a, a message that has impacted our world more than anything else. Uh, something that we don't even realize how much of our society has been changed and transformed by. But if you read through the couple of chapters of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is finishing uh, up here in this section we're going to be reading today, you would uh, have that picture that I think I have emblazed in my mind from days of growing up in Sunday school with the flannel graph, right? with uh, Jesus on the little hillside, all the, all the people in front of him. That's about right. That's the, that's the picture. But these people that Jesus was speaking to in, in, in that message, they are captivated. They, it says that they are astounded, that they're amazed because Jesus was speaking with authority. He was talking in such a way that it required action. 
It was different than some of the teachers in that day. In fact, Christ speaks with more authority than any pastor can speak with because he spoke with intrinsic authority. Pastors only speak with authority as we are rightly corresponding with what Jesus has said. We're only rightly corresponding with what Scripture says. Jesus gave perfect instructions here on marriage, anger, promises, and praying, enemies, and anxiety. And he says all this to this listening, captivated audience. And he finishes with these words in verse 24 of chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, in other words, this, the Sermon on the Mount, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, and catch this, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus is pointing something out here pointing out something incredibly important that we need to realize. See, even though you and I know in our minds that anybody can hear stuff, anybody can say stuff, including ourselves, that somehow when it comes to our faith, we tend to think that showing up at church and listening or sharing and talking about Christian things with people that that somehow equates to the other 95% of what we are doing with our life. Now, don't get me wrong. Hearing is important. Okay, this is not an excuse to skip church. Sermons are important. Jesus didn't say here, hey, you know, listen, I know you already know all this stuff. Or, hey, I'm just trying to motivate you here. Or, you know, you're just going to do whatever you're going to do. That's not his message. Listening, sharing, sermons, teaching, it's important. It matters. But Jesus is reminding his audience and each and every one of us that anybody can say stuff. Anybody can hear. Anybody can go to a conference. Anybody can go to church. Anybody can listen. Both the wise and the foolish can hear his words. But Jesus is saying that the wise put his words into practice. That the wise man or wise woman who is following Christ, they know this. This is the key from this passage for us this morning. They know that the wise don't just listen, they take action. The wise don't just listen, they take action. Listening is important. But again, what Jesus is pointing out here is that anybody can listen. And he follows it with the blow that listening without doing makes you a what, according to Jesus? It makes you a fool. I don't know that we realize just how serious it is to not put Jesus' words into practice. I think we tend to think of it kind of like the, the check engine light in our car. It comes on, and we know 
we should get that looked at. <laughs> we know we should get that figured out. I think there's a check engine light in my wife's van right now. But um, we know we should do something about it. But we're kind of used to warning lights. We're kind of used to things somehow getting worked out. We don't realize how serious it might actually be. With Jesus' words, though, he says that it is as serious as being a fool. Not just lazy, uh, complacent, indifferent, whatever. It's as serious as being foolish. Why? Because your life and my life is going to be tested. When he uses here winds and rains and floods and so forth, it's, it's imagery, right? It's imagery for the trials that are going to come in life and for God's testing at the end of it. That your life and my life are going to experience difficult times, but it is only a life that is built on the wise choices of the Lord that is going to stand the test. And don't be deceived. Listening is the starting point. Don't be deceived. Sometimes our action that is needed to be taken is patience, because faith waits on God. Love is patient, right? Sometimes that's action that's required. But mark Jesus' words here. Hearing is not enough. Listening to sermons, as great as they are, is not enough. It's not enough. Apostle James says it this way. He says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, we have the tendency to forget with faith that talk and listening is cheaper than action. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that our listening and our talking is equating to what we are doing. He goes on, verse 23, James says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Listening but not doing is more serious than we give it credit for. Don't deceive yourself into thinking differently. In contrast, the wise man or woman takes Jesus' words and attempts to put them into action in their lives. And what is it that Jesus likens that person to in the text? What does he compare them to? He says, verse 24, like a wise man who built his house on a rock. We tend to kind of skip over this little piece about building a house on a rock. Because in our modern minds, we think, why wouldn't you build it on a rock? All of our houses are built on a concrete slab. All of our apartment buildings have a concrete foundation, right? That's how we think. We think that that's just, you know, what you do. But, you know, that is what you do when you have backhoes and dump trucks and other kinds of tractors. But this is 30 A.D., all right, you've got to get all those kinds of images out of your head. Instead, imagine solid rock, and what you have to work with is a mallet 
a form of a pickaxe, a chisel, and your bare hands. Talk about slow going, difficult work. The construction site that you drive past that never seems to be going anywhere. That's that kind of work. But building on a solid foundation is the key to building something that will last. It's just really hard. Some of you might remember um, summer before last, we were putting in a, a hallway down there at the other end of the building. And, uh, and if you're a novice to construction around here, like, like myself, um, you probably wondered what all of us novices think, which is, why does construction take so long? And, but in this case, you might have also wondered, why is there constantly water just flowing across the parking lot here all the time? All, just gallons and gallons of water just flooding across the parking lot the whole time. I, I got curious enough, and I asked uh, Jack Dolman, who uh, was overseeing the, the project, about it. And he explained to me that the church, like a lot of buildings around here, actually sets on swamp ground. Sets on swamp ground. So what you have to do is you have to, you have to dig down, and then you have to pump out gallon upon gallon upon gallon of water until you can get the ground solid enough to be able to pour concrete on, to be able to, to build on top of. It's a slower, harder process, but it's got to be done. If the job is going to be done right, it's got to be done. Building on solid ground is hard. Doing life, Jesus' way, is not quick and easy. It's not. G.K. Chesterton once commented on this struggle for many of us. He said this, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Let me say that again. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. But the wise realize this. They realize that you don't just listen, you take action. And it is often hard, and it takes time. But they're the right choices to build on. And we know it. Now, this morning, I'm going to do something slightly different than what I typically do in some of my sermons. Typically, I usually try to give one, just one, of what we pastors call application. Uh, an application is a way of applying uh, God's truth to life. It's a way. Um, and sometimes it's a question to ask or an insight uh, or something to do or something not to do. Uh, but, uh, but this morning, instead of that, in light of the fact that we are completing a, an entire year of teaching this morning, and many of us are looking forward to 2019, instead I want us to consider a different kind of question. And if you're new here, you get a complete pass, okay? But for, for everyone else, this is for you. Here's the question. Out of everything that you've received, out of all the teaching that you've received here in 2018, what have you put into practice? Out of all the teaching that has been shared here in 2018, what have you put into practice? practice. You know, if, if you look online at our website, over the last year, uh, just, just 2018, 
in all the messages that are up there, you would see six speakers, 27 titles across 52 weeks, encompassing 55 sermons with more than 1,600 minutes of audio preaching. That's a lot of teaching. That's a lot of listening. Even if you were just here for a, a portion of it, and it, even if you just paid attention for a portion of that, okay, it's still a lot. And I think that looking at our passage this morning, that Jesus is, would be perfectly fair in looking at each and every one of us in this room and asking, John, what have you put into practice? What have you done with all that you've received? What have you done? So I want to share with us, because I spent hours this past week all right, combing through all these sermons. I did, I, I did, I did. Uh, and I assembled out of them what I consider to be the top five applications, the top five ways that we can, we can put into action what it is that we have been hearing for all of 2018. And I want to challenge you. Maybe you've got a great answer to that question of what you've put into practice. And maybe you don't. And maybe you're still thinking. But I want to invite you, as you look ahead to 2019, to consider what it is that you've learned and to consider putting maybe one of these into practice. So here's the top five. Top five. Number five came from our redemption series last January, which all of us are, of course, thinking, oh yeah, the redemption series last January. I remember that one, right? One of the applications dealt with the respectable sin of grumbling. And we distinguished grumbling in that sermon from complaining or uh, from the idea of complaining and lamenting, I should say, in terms of its motive. That lamenting has a trust in God's heart, but complaining and grumbling has a distrust. And we saw how again and again, all the way throughout the year, how God called on the people of Israel to stop it. It's kind of like that old Bob Newhart skit, right? Just stop it, right? Cut it out. But we saw more than that, that that wasn't just to cut out the detestable sin of grumbling. It was to replace it with trust in the heart of God. It was a great application. As we looked at 2019, it might be grumbling that God wants you to put to death. Number four. Number four came from the end of our devoted series when Pastor Brian spoke on the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6, and he shared about our need as God's people to have theological discernment. You remember this? That if someone claims to be offering God's people teaching in some form or fashion, whether it's written or, or spoken or whatever, that it is actually incumbent upon God's people to identify whether or not this is a false teacher or legit, to study God's word, to have discernment about the teaching that is being received, that before we're going to import something into our life, lock, stock, and barrel, it is incumbent upon God's people to have theological discernment from studying his word. It was a great application. Number three, earlier this year I spoke on Luke chapter 8 and talked about exposing the darkness, that we need to realize in life that eventually everything is exposed that nothing that is hidden in the dark will not be brought to the light. And that it is better, rather than the truth be dragged kicking and screaming out into the light, for us to simply 
confess. To simply confess, to surrender by confessing in a way that takes responsibility for our action that isn't making excuses or posing or pretending any longer, but that is a way that instead says, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? In other words, we need to practice real confession instead of excusing. That was the application of it. Another thought for 2019 to consider confession, real apologizing in life. Number two, number two came from this winter when Pastor Brian uh, preached a sermon called Love Gone Wrong. Love Gone Wrong. We looked at First, uh, First Kings chapter 11, and this was kind of a theme if you've been here for multiple sermons that, that he shared here, though, specifically how King Solomon had a subtle shift in his heart towards idols. That he had a subtle shift in his affection from God as being the primary point of his affection and devotion to something else. And how you and I need to consider our life and whether or not we have a subtle shift of making good things into ultimate things. That we need to be careful about making any other thing or person or, or status in life into being the thing. That we need to evaluate our life and consider whether or not we've made a career or maybe our kids or maybe even something good like church activity into an idol. That was the application. Finally, number one. Ready for it? The number one application of 2018. The number one application that was sown specifically throughout every single message that Pastor Brian and I taught all year long. The number one application that we presented again and again was the application of the gospel. The gospel that the Old Testament points forward to the reality that Jesus Christ established and the reality that the entire New Testament is built on. The gospel. That, that we don't obey to get love, but because we are loved. That we can't earn forgiveness, but it's only graciously given by faith. That Jesus Christ's work at the cross through his resurrection and the ascension has given us a victory over sin and death. And that we stand only in the good news of what he's done, and that we offer, like beggars to other beggars, the faith that we've received, bringing absolutely nothing good with ourselves to God. But we repent and we receive forgiveness, and we enter into the restorative work of Jesus Christ, that we can enjoy a personal relationship with him through ever, through the gospel. And it's out of the overflow of gratitude and love that we enjoy and we obey and that that is the singular greatest application that we shared again and again and again, and we will gladly do so again and again and again if the Lord tarries. But let me ask you, as you consider these top five applications that we've shared, what's it for you? What is the spot where maybe Jesus is putting on your heart that you need to put his words into action? What is it that, that you need to do? What scripture, what words of Jesus do you need to put into practice today? I have this uh, dream as a pastor that uh, next year, 
on Sunday, December 29th, 2019, that we could set up a camera out in the lobby. And then if we were all gathered here again, in the same place, same time, and we were all asked the same question of what have you done with all that you've heard this past year, that any one of us could stand up and we can walk out there with having given it a little bit of thought and look at the camera and share exactly what it is from God's word that we have put into practice this year. That's my, that's my pastoral fantasy, okay? I'm not saying it's going to happen. But can you imagine? Can you imagine a year where you didn't just come to church expecting to feel guilty or inspired or motivated or more intelligent by the end of it? But instead, you came hungry, having put into practice God's word and hungry for more. Imagine the difference that that would make in our lives, our families. That, you know, if our daily Bible reading wasn't just, you know, a mental exercise, it was a call to action. Can you imagine how different our lives would be the wise way that we would be living? Amen? You know, it's never too early and it's never too late to start living like this. And friends, I want to leave you with this encouragement this morning that maybe you have, or maybe you come to for the first time or, or again, to come to Jesus and to confess that your way of building just doesn't work out. That left to ourselves, we would build on the sand and we'll think our house looks great with, a, with, a, with an ocean view and that it was really easy to assemble because we are great at building sandcastles and lousy at the real thing. That we need to admit that. Because it's only in that place, with this kind of attitude of humility, that we start listening to Jesus' words in a new way. To be able to handle the hurricanes of life, to learn to start building our life on the rock. As we wise up and we realize that we can't just listen, we have to take action. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we realize just how weak we are. God, we realize that when it comes to our life, we are great at sandcastles. We've built plenty of them before. And Father, we recognize that in our frailty, we are building sandcastles in different places of our life right now. And that it's only through your grace, your mercy, that you have invited us into something better. And so, Father, with the heart that has been transformed by you, that has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that looks forward to your coming, Lord, would you help us to build not on the things of this world, but on the wise choices that you've called us to. We pray all that in your name. Amen.